Good afternoon, Susan. Good afternoon, Meg. How are you? I am okay. Um, I just made Susan cry and, sh- and she I did. cried also. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. We will. But we have to kick off with... I'm going to ask you, right, what's the best thing you've eaten this week? Um, well, the best thing I've eaten this week um, was one of those ones because you're really hungry. Oh, um, yeah. So I was shopping and I just was like, oh, actually, I think I'd like my lunch really small, really hungry, um, had to, was getting bread anyway, Baker's Delight, and they had these like Turkish rolls. I've never seen them before. Oh, yeah. And so I bought a Turkish roll because I wanted to try it and it was nice and cheap. Oh, my goodness. It was super delicious. So I ate enough to sort of stave off the hunger and thought, I really want to have this with hummus and garlic dip, which I knew I had at home. Yeah. So I saved the other half, brought it home and had it with hummus and Yum. garlic dip. And it was just stuff I ate fairly regularly, like it's fairly normal, but when you're hungry and it's just had crispiness, it just saltiness. Hit the spot. It hit the spot. And it so was it had a little bit of oily, yeah. salty. Oh. It did. It's almost like a focaccia. It was. It was really quite focaccia-like. Yeah, right. Yeah. And what about you? What has your week been? What's the best thing? Do you know what? This feels really early in our series of podcasts to uh, drop the ball <laughs> on the best thing. <laughs> We've run out of secret ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> However, nothing really jumps out at me. I feel like, you know, everything's been fine, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I made a really cool. nice beef ragu. Just oh, when yeah. you said a Turkish bread, we had it with, like, we chopped up a like a loaf of Turkish bread mm. and... Um, sort of had that with it instead of like pasta so oh, yeah nice, that yeah. was pretty good that was pretty good but yeah like it's sort of just been a bit like I don't know busy yeah. schools back yeah. all that sort of stuff you doesn't know doesn't always don't always need to stand out uh and yeah sometimes it's just click sometimes on over. it's business as usual yeah. but that said I am going to make some pork and fennel sausage rolls oh yum yes that will be delicious yes so we'll have them as some I don't know. Lunch There'll probably be some lunchbox things, I think. Nice. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that because fennel is that, I love that fennel. smell yeah. as well. When yep. you're I love doing... fresh fennel. I love fennel yep. seeds. Yeah. Love yeah, it yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a really nice um, fennel and orange salad. Oh, yum. Yes. So delish. nice. Red onion, bit of yep. rocket. Perfect. I like fennel uh, and incredible. orange together. They're good and friends. my kids really liked it, which is surprising because that's not usually, they're not really up for that. Yeah. Roast fennel is delicious too. It's like, like sort of slow roasted fennel gets sort of caramelised. Yeah, oh, sticky, so good. Yeah. Delicious. So, you know, food's nice. fine. Nothing's fine. really too exciting, but I am looking forward to some things. Excellent. So, yeah. So how did you make me cry, Meg? And why? <laughs> why would you? I made Susan. Why I told you I warned you. I said you're going to cry. What I didn't expect was for me to cry again. Because you'd already I'd already seen, seen it. it. So for those who haven't seen it, we will probably put a link We'll, we'll put this on our socials. We somewhere. can put it in our show notes. Oh, we'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, it's potentially really triggering, so I don't know. Oh, we'll I put it, it in the show notes. So what is it? Um, if you haven't seen it, Dove have released a really short, like three-minute long. Um, it's called Cost of Beauty. Little mini tiny little film. I don't know if there's a big if it's based on a bigger thing. I think it's Dove UK, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's just this journey of this little girl, Mary. You watch her as a toddler and then as a growing up and at 12 she gets given a phone and it's all downhill from there. Yeah, some concerning journaling and con- you really, know, really cons- concerning content. That, that she's, she's absorbing and then mirroring. Yeah. Um, and just see her little light just go out. dim. Yeah. yeah. And then um, 
thankfully it, there's a redemption arc. But, yeah, <laughs> she clearly ends up in hospital. Um, for, I guess, a typical for sort of anorexia yeah. nervosa presentation. Mm. Um, and it's... It's done really, it's, it's, it's very, very emotive. emotive. <laughs> very emotive, which, you know, that's, that is something I suppose that of course it is. Yeah. Um, and I think it does need to be. Like I think sometimes we can forget these are like really individual lives that are really for sometimes for years. Yeah, um, that's right. And, yes, when you, so it finishes, so it is this one person's story, but it finishes and who, who has that very stereotypical you know, um, smaller body, smaller adolescent. body, adolescent, pretty blonde um, girl, um, and it does show the end of her in recovery. And she's still very attractive. She and her mum are together, and they're very connected and loving. And there's a series of other people who are you know, recovering from, from different me. mental yeah, health that's conditions, right. including so, eating disorders. Body dysmorphia, depression, self harm, sort of thing. So yeah, if it's if if any of that sounds like it's not a safe territory much. for you, stay well clear and it's fine and it, it's not going to tell you anything you don't know. That's true. Um, but it is again, like I think, seeing a large organisation, um, you know, who who is in who occupies that space in the beauty industry. I guess they do moisturisers and. Deodorants and, Deodorants and things like that. But they, I mean, I think Dove have done, they've done some campaigns before about diversity, yeah, haven't yeah. they? I think there's um, certainly been a leader in, and sure, of course, it's still going to be about market share. Like we don't want to, be, like we can yeah. put our cynicism on. <laughs> um, however, if people are consuming stuff and so having these messages, they have, I think they have some runs on the board about being consistent yep. um, with being concerned about yeah. this big impact yeah. stuff. So I'm not going to be too cynical because I think there's still a lot of value in companies like that. I think doing being able to take some of their marketing money and put it into mm. awareness raising. Um, but I think the thing out of the video is that um, it's, it's not this like, sort of straight line, gets mm. phone, sees the stuff straight to hospital. But you can see just the chipping away mm. over years, that repeated exposure at, um, you know, at a young age, at, a, well, at any age really because um, you see at the end people are, you know, older and younger and in larger bodies and, um, you know, people who are... Um, not white. Different cultures, yep. yeah. Different cultures, different um, different races. So, um, yeah, you just that that repeated exposure to an ideal that is unattainable, not even real, actually, in mm. lots of cases, um, and of real content that's still. Yeah. Oh, so I saw this shared, um, I've seen this shared by a couple of things. Initially it was brought to my attention from a beautiful friend who has a loved one going through an ESOR at the moment um, and so I think it would be really helpful for parents or friends who are um, to help them raise awareness yeah. um, and get support. Yeah. Um, but then I also shared it, saw it shared by another sort of campaigner um, who had done the checks and every single video that is shown um, is on real. that is a real video that is still on, on these platform platforms somewhere. Yeah. So I think that's the thing too is and we I know we've talked about exposure to social media and media messaging before and you know I've got three children and my youngest is 12 and she started high school this year and she got a phone um 
And, you know, having gone through the pandemic and homeschooling or schooling at home um, or remote schooling, like the for, you know, to a certain extent for our children not to have a screen of some sort would have been a real disadvantage. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the idea that we could just keep them off screens is not really sort of unrealistic no. in, in this day and age. So, And it doesn't teach the skills. I think it's like the... Um, you know, if, if let's use an analogy of like teaching kids to swim. Yeah. Um, we need to teach them to swim. We don't throw them in the deep end unsupervised yeah. or send them to the beach unsupervised yeah. the first time they swim. Yeah. Um, but we are going to build up to the point where they can be unsupervised swimming. Yeah. Um, and I think about social media like that, like it is a big stormy sea. Yeah. Um, and we can't be throwing kids in there unsupervised. Yeah. Or it's going to end poorly, but if we can help them be strong swimmers, then even though it's not without risks, uh, at least there is less risk to them. Yeah, um, or knowing can... what to do, knowing how to handle the situations that that come up um, from having those skills yeah. built. So it's, I, I think, yeah, I mean, to sort of repeat what we've, what we've said before, that oh, sorry, I'm still wiping my eyes. <laughs> like laughing at me. She's mean, sorry. She's mean to me. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think it's that being, staying in conversation and, um, in the vicinity with our children and, you know, that we, we are the parents and we can, you know, check in with, um, with what they, what, what content they're exposed to and, and set some limits around that. So it's, Mm. um, hard, but it's, it's, it's. It's harder to put the, I guess, it's harder to put the genie back in the bottle. <laughs> yeah, and I think the um, why I quite like the analogy of swimming yeah. is even if it's a hassle, you do it because you know the risk. That's so I remember right. going to a Christmas party and my kids are just a little bit younger, this is a few years ago now, than everyone else's kids there. I was the only adult who had to get in the pool yes. to supervise their children. Everyone else could do it from the sidelines, from sitting around, having, even outside of the pool fence, yeah, so they could still yeah, have a glass yeah, drink. Yeah. I was the only adult who had to put on their cosy and actually get in the pool because my child <laughs> was not was that, not old. that yeah. old yet, particularly in a context where there's bigger kids and splashing and all of that. It would not be safe for me not to get in with him. And it was annoying. <laughs> I would have much rather not to. Um, and yet it's a risk, of course, of course I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be like, yeah, sure, honey. It'll probably be fine when I just know the risk. My of it. discomfort is far more important <laughs> than the, your safety. The risk of it not being fine is so clear of what would actually happen. Yeah. And I think what where a lot of people understand, but a lot of people don't, is and what we see is the risk. What will what could go wrong? Yes, is worth the annoyance and the discomfort yeah. and the impact on your own freedom and space and headspace and, and yeah. life um, because we've seen what it's done to individuals and families. Um, and if you think interfering in their engagement in sort of internet and social media is annoying or limiting, <laughs> there is, no, as I should say, there's <laughs> nothing compared to trying to do 20 sessions of FBT mm. or, you yes. know, three weeks or 12 weeks of hospital admissions. I mean, that's obviously like taking it to the nth degree, but yeah, trying to trying to help refeed a child mm. who's recovering from an eating disorder. It takes is, your whole life. It really does. Mm. Yeah, four yeah, years. Four years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, 
Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we try to keep it light and normal, but we did start with tears. So I guess yeah, we should be yeah, surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Deep breath. I need a little drink of water. <laughs> so I guess um, we want to be a bit more optimistic. So look, again, we, you, I think the issue is we don't know who is going to have that journey. We yeah. don't know who has the genetic predisposition or the particular traits or that sort of perfect yeah. storm um, for sure. And we do talk about like eat and like the diagnosed eating disorder being like the I guess worst possible outcome, and it it won't it won't be it won't be everybody, and it no. won't actually probably even be the majority of mm. people who are exposed have a life threatening disorder. Yeah, yeah, who are exposed to sort of toxic body messages, and um, probably something that gets a bit ignored or a bit sort of swept to the side is just the impact of dieting mm. over someone's life um, and the cost to their sort of life and the contribution that they might um, that they might otherwise have made if they were never exposed to sort of doubts about their body or mm. problems with food. And there's um, all the story that the way to feel better about your body is to change it. Yes. So I think probably something that I thought might be handy for us to go through and it's something that we we, we worked through in the webinar that we did a couple of months ago and we got some feedback that that was actually something that we were really thought like it was a well-known thing um, but our participants thought was like a bit groundbreaking um, was that the diet cycle. Mm. I'm just because I've got a laptop in front of me here so I'm going to bring it up in front of me but um, I thought maybe that like stepping through that whilst we're talking together might be something useful for our audience to hear. Um, and we are making, we're going to make that webinar um, available yeah, just to, just to, to purchase. Um, so you won't get our, the question and answer that we did and, and we will, you know, run that probably live again at some stage, but um, we're really concentrating on getting our course up and running but yeah so this is a bit of a I guess an intro to the I guess type of content that we cover um and you if you're listening as a as a as a dieter or a a former dieter or in the between diets um this might be familiar to you and um it may give you some pause for thought um and and yeah hopefully bring in I guess some space for self-compassion and curiosity about what to do instead for sure um, so you can i'm gonna have a drink of water <laughs> still recovering <Soothe> myself <laughs> <laughs> all right so um so the diet cycle is pretty well established um and a lot of people have experienced it but often people don't realize that it is um a pattern that people follow and that the majority of dieters follow so i'll often whip out a picture you know, a little graphic of it, which I'll talk through in a second, um, with my clients and be like, oh, hey, you know, this is a this is often what, you know, I'm really curious, has this been your experience? This is what, you know, a lot of people experience. And they're kind of shocked because they thought it was just them because the diet industry has done an incredible job of um, telling people that the diet works, it's fine, you're just really bad at it um, and you just need to try harder or, or do Get it better. Get your priorities Get right. Get your priorities right. That's exactly right. Um, so it starts with someone deciding to go on a diet, change their eating or whatever. And that can be for any number of reasons. It could be that it was, you know, 1st of January 
or they've seen a photo of themselves they don't like from an event, seen something on, you know, the Today Show or 60 Minutes or something like that. Yeah, um, wedding. Decide, or, yeah, wedding. Or year 10 formal, year 12 formal. Yes, ah. or perhaps the doctors told them, um, you know, they've had a health scare or some blood test or something like that and the doctor has said you need to lose weight or you need to go on a diet. Um, whatever reason, there's a decision to make go on a diet. And then um, there is often sort of this last supper. The, I don't know when I'm going to let myself eat this again, so I'm going to eat it all now. Um, or I don't want to waste this, but I don't want it in my house anymore, so I'm going to eat it all. And then when it's run out, then I'm not going to buy it again. Then I'm not going to eat it again. So there is this sort of last supper before um, the eating. And then there is a stage we sort of call, we call the honeymoon phase, which is what I think people are chasing over again and again and again um, because it feels really good. Um, so that this first is that few weeks of dieting. Yeah. And the yep. first time around this cycle, this honeymoon period might be quite long. Um, it could be, you know, even up to six months or a year. This is when people are writing books and telling everyone about how great their diet is. They're feeling really motivated. They're getting lots of positive reinforcement for what they're doing. And they're feeling really great. Um, they're feeling control and they're organized and they're on top of things. And, and they're doing what our culture tells them they're supposed to be doing. And there's certainly a psychological boost just in yeah. in doing that. You're probably um, so getting a lot of validation. A lot of validation. Um, and you know, may also be getting, you know, some improvements in biochemical blood tests or in, you know, cardiovascular fitness or whatever. So yeah. there's some real positives um, that can often be felt in this honeymoon um, period. But it doesn't last. Um, some people will go through a little stage where there's a bit of a cheat or a bit of a breakdown in their um, motivation or whatever you want I to call too, it. I think too, like... It might be that you're like, oh, it's all right, because like I'm, yes, I've, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got this now, like mm. I've cracked it, so it is fine for me to, yes. go to that person's party or birthday or have that extra glass of champagne or you know, mm. but the idea of it feeling like a cheat yes, is yes. huge, and so it can feel a bit scary, and so they might just actually increase the resolve and keep on going. But then what happens is after your body sort of adjusts and gets used to being sort of fed at a lower rate, it down-regulates stuff. It's like your body's gone on a budget. It's like, oh, on a budget now. Okay, well, I'm just going to reduce funding to some non-essential services or some less essential services. Like, you um, know, keeping you warm. Or yeah, that's right. Your skin or, and your hair. <laughs> all sorts of non-essential inverted Yeah, models. yeah, yeah. Um, and there's often a real, there's often a weight plateau. So when people are doing this with the intention of weight loss, which usually they are, a weight plateau is really scary um, and is really frustrating. Um, and at the same time as your body has sort of done the, down regulating because it doesn't really like being on a budget um, it increases things like appetite hormones and food preoccupation and you know increased sense of smell and all of those things so we have an increase of cravings and there's frustration that you know that weight isn't coming off or there's weight regain even though you're still doing all the things you because were doing like our, in the honeymoon phase our bodies are still pretty so ancient yeah, right as so well clever. you know if there's not enough food coming in like the They're system operates as mm. if that means there's not enough food out there. So all that food seeking sort of like sensation and behaviour kicks up. Like we, you know, famine is on and it's mm. time to leave, move on, find food. Yes. So And so that's really an awful place to be and that usually signals the end. For someone who perhaps, you know, doesn't have that predisposition to, for this to develop to a really um, exactly, low that's right. restrictive eating disorder, that's going to be the end of the story. Um, as far as the diet. So there's often a reactive eating. There's like a perhaps um, binging or compensatory overeating, binging, whatever you want to call it. Um, the diet is over 
um, feeling really out of control, eating all the things you weren't letting yourself eat when you were on um, the diet, feeling worse than you did before you started the diet, particularly, um, again, with our cultural messages around weight and the weight, perhaps right weight regain, um, feeling worse, feeling terrible. And the only answer our culture has ever had is, well, you need to go harder. We need to find another different diet. Or now that, you know, you've got to extend that diet to, to something else. Um, and so people's experience is either they're on the diet, counting the almonds and eating time <laughs> eating or, follow, or following um, the rules, or they're completely off it and they're not paying any attention to nutrition and they're really disconnected from their bodies and feeling not great. And the belief is that that is evidence that they need the diet to stay in control, mm. not realising that it's the other way around. It's the restriction, the diet mentality that's actually driving that um, disconnected binge or overeating, however you want to phrase it. Um, there's a lovely little sort of metaphor. I think it's uh, Evelyn Trivoli who wrote Intuitive Eating with Elise Reich, which is, you know, the further you pull back the bow of restriction, the further the binge arrow flies. Um, and it certainly has been the experience of uh, my clients who have that sort of chronic dieting and weight cycling. Um, so that's really a lot of headspace. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of feeling like you're doing the wrong thing. That's a lot of messed up um, feelings around food and body, which really undermines enjoyment in life. Mm -hmm. um there's a lovely phrase which we've i think we've talked about before like if life feels smaller it's a diet which is a dr michelle may um quote which i really like like it really does limit opportunity it limits creativity it limits time um so it might not be that you've ended up with yes. something that's that's like really taking you out of life completely but it certainly is having and that i think like effect. we you know we know that the pursuit of weight loss when it goes in this sort of cyclic thing, does actually diminish people's self-esteem over time. Mm. And they're, you know, like, you know, if you feel uncomfortable and un, like maybe unworthy in mm. your own body, like to make yourself, um, you know, the centre of attention to, you know, sit, um, you know, up front in a board meeting or a job interview mm. or, um, you know, put yourself forward for like the lead in a musical or all of that sort of stuff can, can be really um, seem like it's unavailable. Um, mm. Yeah, so there is though, there, there are those, I think, those factors where um, we make ourselves maybe a, like a smaller target or something like that. Of course, while we've been talking about this, I have had a text message from a child saying, did I leave my lunch at home? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not there. Ah, <laughs> oh, the joy. I know. Um, yeah, oh, of course. So if that, I guess if that cycle sounds familiar and that feeling like you're bouncing between like the strictness and then the, the really sort of, massive like retaliation or rebellion against it mm. 
Or just perhaps feeling like you don't know what the alternative oh, to this is. How many times has somebody yeah. said to you, oh, oh my God, I'm 45, I should know what to do. I this don't is know ridiculous. how to eat. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is so, so stupid. Because that's been people's experience. Either they're on or they're off. Yes. They don't know and that there's actually are an alternative. Unpleasant. Both are unpleasant. So that feeling of, well, all I ever eat is all of the foods I don't allow myself. Well, you know, that might not feel so great yeah. because, it, you know, maybe it's going to be low in fiber or it's actually not that interesting anymore. Um, but if you only ever experience like sort of eating, like so-called overeating as well, like those extremes of sensation, like mm. a fullness or a hunger, it's a re disconnection real body, body yeah. disconnection. So just knowing that there's sort of a middle ground, I don't know, that's probably not I think it's quite. A different planet. Yeah, it's, a different... It's, a, it's not a middle ground. It's says <laughs> a separate track. That's right. Um, isn't, I guess in it, in a way, it's sort of, it's good to know. Mm, you might not necessarily be able to just jump straight into How it. How you get there is a whole other story because there's a lot of stuff to probably undo. And and it's quite scary. Yeah. You know, I have had somebody say to me once, it's like you're asking me to step off a cliff without a parachute. Like, mm. what is this non-diet approach? So there, and because there is um, comfort and reassurance in doing Structure the and... expected stuff or doing what society expects you to be yes. doing around if you're in a large body, well, you should definitely be eating lots of salads and trying to make yourself smaller. Um, there can be some comfort in that. And that's partly why we're doing what we're doing is to try to help people through that process. Um, and as we've mentioned before, we will be launching um, a short course uh, for to help people through that if they don't want to sort of do one-on-one -on -one with a dietitian um, or you know, that's cost-wise like they're not ready to. Or they feel like they're not ready as a bit of a um, starting that process um, of, okay, I, I'd like to be on that different track. But I've got no idea how to get there. <laughs> I can't or what even that looks see like. it from here. <laughs> um, that's what our goal is with our course to help people um, in getting over to that track and then and then navigating it um, as they go forward. So there'll be more information about that, of course, on all our social media um, and in the show notes, I guess. And in our Thursday thoughts emails. Oh yeah, on our mailing list is probably the best place to yeah get, um, get any updates about that. We're not exactly sure when this podcast will come out so by then but we might have had some details nutted yes. down and um we'll let you know we will cool so all right till next time thanks everyone see you later bye